Good morning. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you for braving the snow. You guys are awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate it. For our online family, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for jumping out online. I saw that we had a lot more activity than normal this morning, and I'm pumped about that. Thank you for joining us. I know that um, for a lot of people, you like snow, but you don't really like to drive in snow. So uh, why don't you just uh, work with Anna to start a little conversation about if your team snow or team no snow. And then you guys can make fun of each other and call each other heretics and stuff. It'll be really fun. Okay. So uh, for everybody else, I just want to say again, thank you for being here. And if you would, um, every week, instead of passing a plate, we just talk about the offering for a minute. And we say thank you to those of you who give to support the ministry of branches. And you can give online uh, through any of the options listed or via cash or check at the box in the back of the room. Online, friends, you can hop online and give that way if you'd like. And we thank you so much for your faithful giving. I have a lot of big news today. The biggest piece of news is that starting Sunday, February 20, we are moving back to one service. You might also cheer or cry about this. Probably mostly cheers. Uh, we went to two services last Easter. When um, we hit Easter, we were over 100. It felt like the right time to do it. As a leader, I just want to take responsibility for that and say, I might have jumped the gun. It might have been too soon. It was hard to know what was going to happen with the pandemic, and it's uh, had effects on us. And at this point, it's stretching our team too thin to be at two services, and it just makes the most sense to go back to one service. My um, heart and philosophy of ministry is to be a two-service church, uh, and I'll go on more in the coming weeks before we switch to explain that more. Um, but for today, I just want to say that my friend and core team leader, Terry, gave me this analogy that if you're hanging out around a campfire and the fire's starting to die out, you know, before you put more wood on you, gather the coals back together into a pile so that when you put the fresh wood on, it catches fire more easily. So there's this idea that we're coming back together into one service and hoping that the Holy Spirit it will just blow a fresh wind on that and that we will find that it is creating momentum and energy uh, for us to grow and eventually be a two-service church again. But we can look forward to the ease and simplicity of that. We'll meet at 10 a.m. starting February 20th for the foreseeable future. The other thing that's happening is that life groups are getting ready to launch again the week of February 6th. So we'd love, if you didn't join a life group in the fall session, we would love for you to jump into one now. You can sign up on the community, or the Church Center app or on branchesvineyard.org slash groups and pick a group and get involved in community here at Branches. Uh, This Sunday, we're talking about the Lord's Prayer. We're working through a series on the Lord's Prayer. And today we're talking about the passage in verse 11 that says, give us today the food we need. Or you might be more familiar with it as give us today our daily bread. And I I realized that I really wanted to do a service on the Lord's Prayer uh, when I was thinking about this thing that happened a couple years ago in seminary. Um, Once a year, we go to campus and have like a week-long intensive, and so we can spend time together and get to know each other better. And that year, our professor wanted us to um, say the Lord's Prayer aloud as a prayer at the end of class every day. And we all kind of knew it in different translations, so we sort of fumbled through it. But I noticed that one of my classmates wasn't saying anything at all. 
And the next day at the end of class, we prayed it again, and he didn't say anything. And as soon as the prayer was over, he was like, oh, you guys, how do you just know this? How does everyone in this room know this except for me? And we're like, come on, man, you're in seminary. Maybe you should learn this one. But we realized that unless you grew up in a church that taught you to pray it, you know, and unless we do a faithful job of passing it on, it won't be passed on to the next generation, which would be a tragedy because it's the prayer Jesus gave us to pray. And the church has been memorizing and reciting it since Jesus gave it to us. And so Justin talked last week about the part of the prayer that comes just before this. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus came to the earth to announce that the time of Satan's domination of this world was ending and that God was becoming king of Israel and king of the world again in Jesus. So Jesus went around for three years inviting people into this kingdom of God. And he did a lot of show and tell. He showed them that the kingdom was breaking into our world by healing people, by setting them free from oppression, creating food out of nothing to feed hungry people. And he told them about how people who belong to the kingdom of God should live. And that's who we are. If you belong to Jesus, you are a member of the kingdom of God. And Jesus has a lot to say about how kingdom people live, especially in the chapters that are right around the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 5 and 6. But listen, because Jesus was a human, he understood how humans work. He, last week, if you remember, Justin taught us a fancy word called penumbra. And he used this to refer to sort of the shadowy place we're living in. The time between the times where Jesus' kingdom did break through into the world when he came. But it's not fully here yet until he comes again. And that means that life is still really hard. And we're still really broken people. And we can't hang on to all the truths of God all at once all the time. And we need something short that we can memorize and that can teach us how to live and how to pray and how to have hope in this in-between time we live in. And that's what the Lord's Prayer does for us. So we need to pray the actual prayer often in whatever version you like. If you learned it, hallowed be thy name, it's fine. Just say it like that. But praying it helps us memorize it, and having it hidden in our heart helps us know the kinds of prayers that Jesus wants us to pray to our Father in heaven. So the Lord's Prayer then becomes a model for us to make our own prayers with. It's why Jesus said, pray like this. He meant pray prayers that are like this. But here's another thing about the Lord's Prayer that we need to really understand. It's for us to pray on our own as individuals, and it's also a communal prayer that we pray together as kingdom people, gathered here together as the church, because we believe that we're actually part of Jesus' work to make all things new, to bring his kingdom here on earth. And so we pray it together because Jesus gave us this beautiful little prayer that we can rattle off without thinking about it if we're not intentional. But actually, it's action-packed. Jesus put so much meaning into 
every line of the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to now just talk about the different broad themes or meanings of the Lord's Prayer, and then we'll talk about the primary meaning. And I gleaned most of this from a little book by N.T. Wright called The Prayer the Lord Gave Us. And also a lot of this series is influenced by the work of Nijay Gupta, who is a professor at my school. And so, first of all, uh, one of the themes of the Lord's Prayer in this specific section that says, give us today the food we need or give us today our daily bread. Here's some of the themes. One theme is of the banquet table. So in the Old Testament, which was before the time of Jesus, the prophets like Isaiah spoke of a time in the future when the Messiah would come. And when the Messiah would come, Israel would again be blessed with abundance. And to describe that, the prophets used this imagery of a banquet table with lots of delicious food and drink, like like a Christmas dinner. But it wasn't just um, for this. And Jesus, he loved to do that. He sat around at the table with people a lot and feasted. And it But it wasn't just to eat and drink. It was because he knew the Old Testament really, really well. And all of his actions were to exemplify that the abundance of God had come in him. And Jesus loved to show hospitality. He loved to be the host at the dinner party. And, and, but it went beyond just hosting. Jesus had read those prophecies of Amos and Isaiah. And, and it talked about how when the Messiah came, the nations of the world would also be invited to that same table. And the leaders who were leading Israel around the time that Jesus was ministering, they did not have that vision at all. It was their purpose to keep the Jewish people very secluded and closed off, shut off from the other people in the world. But Jesus understood that the Father's heart was to draw all people to the banquet table. Not just the good law-following Jewish people, but the Jewish people like us who couldn't get their act together. And, And the Gentiles like us, the outsiders who didn't belong. And so that's why you see in the Gospels, Jesus frequently enjoying a meal with the wrong crowd, with shady people that everyone avoided. He was demonstrating the banquet table, the one where everyone is invited to take a seat and enjoy the rich, satisfying goodness of God. And this is part of what we demonstrate every time we take communion together as a church family. We're acknowledging to ourselves and to each other that we know we never deserved to be here in the first place. But Jesus died to give us a permanent seat at the table of God's family. So we eat the bread and we drink the juice in each other's presence to remind ourselves and each other that Jesus himself is our food and our drink, that he's our sustenance, that his body and blood, his death and resurrection is the hope that we live on. He's who we need to take our very next breath to see us through this day. And, and that, that deep need for Jesus, whether we always feel it or not, is what we'll spend the rest of our time on this morning. And here's the big idea we're talking about today. The meaning of give us today the food we need is an invitation to trust. 
So when we pray, give us today the food we need or give us this day our daily bread, we are asking our Father in heaven to meet our physical needs, to provide for us, not just food, but all the main things, you know, like uh, clothing, shelter, the stuff we have to have to survive. But I would bet that like most of us here are not wondering if we'll be able to eat today, if there'll be food on the dinner table. And, and that fact alone makes us wealthier than almost every other nation in the world, and that's wonderful. Uh, most of us have the basics covered, and some of us can do a little bit more than that. But still, provision, having what we need, is a big concern on our minds. And it makes sense because we have to have some things to survive. And what I want to show you in this prayer is that we have an invitation to trust our Father because Jesus loves you so much that the Holy Spirit will always find the places in us that are the most tender or the most wounded, or the most weak, and just start gently poking on it. Not because Jesus is a meanie, but because Jesus wants to heal us. And he can't do that until we acknowledge our pain and mess to ourselves. So this prayer invites us to trust our Father in one of the areas of life that it is most difficult to trust God because provision is personal and it is emotional. The fact is we need food every day. We need warm coats in the winter. We need a place to sleep at night. And it costs money to get all of the things we need for our bodies to survive. Take any one of those things away. And it gets personal and emotional real fast. That's where the word hangry came from. If you, and if you grew up in neglect or in lack, it triggers all kinds of negative emotions and behaviors in us as well. So I want to consider this prayer from here on out with two di- from two different ends of the financial spectrum. And you might be on one end or somewhere in the middle. So I just welcome you to notice what relates to you the most and be ready to bring that before the Holy Spirit during uh, the ministry time at the end of our service today. So we're going to learn first how to pray, give us today the food we need when provision is a struggle. So if you're a person for whom provision does not come easily, I want to speak to you right now. If making ends meet takes a lot of your mental energy every month, the Lord knows your weariness. If your alternator goes out this month and that means you won't be paying your electric bill, the Lord knows your stress. He's with you in it. If you frequently feel self-pity, because then your friends can have nice things that you can't afford. Jesus knows your fight for contentment. And because our God isn't a genie in the bottle, Jesus isn't going to fix your problems with $100,000. Instead, our God is a God who is with us. Jesus became human. As the apostle John says, the word became flesh or human and lived among us. Our God came to be with us in the middle of our mess to help us face it, to sort through it, to heal from it. Jesus wants to be with you in your places of pain and struggle because Jesus is always working to transform
transform our struggles into something true and real and beautiful. I don't know about you, but I grew up in lack, not neglect in any way, but in lack. And that did stuff inside of me, you know, that made me have a lot of concerns about finances as an adult. And so when we got married, one of the first things Justin and I did was to take um, the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace Course. And I highly recommend it. It was really helpful for us. It got us started off with budgeting. That was super good. I'm so glad we did it. I would recommend it. But if you're familiar with it at all, he kind of um, has these baby steps that you're working towards, like saving a little emergency fund and then start hitting your debt with the debt snowball. And then you, eventually you're saving money for retirement and you're you know, saving money to pay off your house and to buy your new cars. And, and so I was like, okay, we're going to do this, baby steps. And we did really well for about 10 years. And then life hit us and it wasn't easy anymore. And in fact, it was really hard. And we went backwards for many years. And I began to grow more and more anxious about our finances. Even though, were we ever starving one day? No. Did we ever miss a house payment? No. So shut up, Amanda. What's your problem? But it was real to me. And I was getting more and more bitter and resentful and disappointed that our life wasn't looking like I had planned it out. And at some point in the Lord's mercy and grace, he revealed to me that I had made an idol of these financial goals. And I was refusing to be satisfied with the life that I had been given. And I repented of it. And that was the turning point where I could begin to have peace over where we were at. And, you know, we still do need to tend to our finances. And Justin and I are responsible to make sure we have something to live on when we're too old to work anymore. But I needed to come to a place of peace with where we were at, with the realities of our life. And and listen, if you're struggling because you were never taught how to manage your money, let's get you some help. Come talk to me or any of our leaders. We, we might just need to help you learn some new tools because oftentimes the answers to our prayer is a change in our own mind or heart or behavior. And, it, and that work that you'll put in will be an act of trust in Jesus. But listen... There are a couple lies, not just a couple, a lot more than a couple, but I'm only going to talk about two lies that our culture feeds us related to provision. The first is that we should all be making gobs of money by the time we're 40. And I'm just going to tell you that is not a promise in the word of God. It's just not. But the other lie our culture tells us is that if you work hard, you can get ahead. And if you're poor, it's your own dang fault. And that is not true either. Our country has built systems of oppression that keep poor people poor. And when the kingdom of God breaks in, everyone gets invited to the banquet table. Everyone gets to eat their fill. Your financial struggle does not affect your worth in God's eyes one bit. So if provision doesn't come easily for you, fight the lies. Hang on to the truth, which is this. In our need for provision... Jesus gives us an invitation to go deeper in our trust with our Father in heaven. Well, how do we know that these prayers for provision, give us today our daily bread, is an invitation to trust? If you read the sections of the book of Matthew right around the Lord's Prayer, which is Matthew chapter 6, 
uh, Jesus talks a lot about it. So in, in chapter six, Jesus says a lot about this subject. And you may have heard this passage before where Jesus told his followers not to worry about things like food and clothing. And he says this in Matthew six thirty one, and this won't be on the screen. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. And I used to feel condemned by this verse because finances are the main place in my life that I do worry and fret. For any legitimate reason? No, but I'm still working through my trauma triggers from my childhood. And so it happens. And when I'm all in my head about money, I am the most annoying person in the world (laughs) to myself, definitely to Justin. And if you were around, I think you'd agree. And when I would read this passage, I would just think of all the ways I was failing to trust God. But now I realize that Jesus knows we're going to worry. It's our natural tendency to live in fear about provision. Telling us not to worry is an invitation to come to God and say, Jesus, I'm worried. I'm anxious. I need you. And and Jesus didn't say, you stink as a Christian because you worry about money a lot. He said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened down, and I will give you rest. This isn't like a whiny, like, hashtag fix it, Jesus, type of trust. It's a deep trust that happens in our heart over time. And so if you are a person who struggles with finances, if provision does not come easily for you, I want to just teach you a couple really quick prayers that you can pray anytime you start to feel overwhelmed with anxiety. And these are actually prayers that are really good for tons of different situations in life. But the first one's called Palms Down, Palms Up, and it's just about helping your body get involved and renewing your mind. So uh, you, you put your palms out and you say a prayer like this, like, Jesus, I feel anxious. I feel overwhelmed right now. And then you turn your palms up and you say, Jesus, I give you my anxiety. Would you give me your peace? And you just repeat that, palms down, palms up, until you begin to feel the peace come. And another prayer is um, called the breath prayer. Again, it can be used for lots of situations. But it's a prayer that you can say in one breath. And it's meant to be repeated over and over. So you could say like, Jesus, I trust you. You are my provider. Jesus, I trust you. You are my provider. And just over and over again, breathing slowly until you begin to feel that peace. So if you're on the end of the spectrum where finances are a struggle, I hope it gets better for you. I hope it's not always this hard. I hope you can learn some new tools to improve your situation. But the challenge for you today is this. In your struggle to provide, can you accept the invitation to deeper trust? Can you begin to see your struggle as the invitation? Can you pray in your hearts right now, Jesus, I receive your invitation. 
So we've been talking about what Jesus meant when he told us to pray, give us today the food we need. And the main thing he meant was that when it comes to provision, this prayer is an invitation to go deeper in our trust in God. And we've spent a lot of time now talking about how to pray that prayer when provision doesn't come easily. So let's shift now and begin to talk about how to pray, give us today the food we need, when provision does come easily for you. Okay, if that's you, listen up. First things first, I've got some good news. And I've got some bad news. The good news is that money makes things a lot easier for life in a lot of ways. If, you know, you're, uh, if you've got plenty of money and your alternator goes out, you just get it fixed. It's really nice. Life goes on. Rejoice in it. And I, I hope that kind of ease for each of you because the anxiety of poverty is not a mark of holiness. But here's the bad news. You have an equally difficult struggle in life, and it comes with an equally hard invitation to trust Jesus. So if provision comes easily for you, I want to offer up two areas where Jesus might be inviting you to trust your Father in heaven on a deeper level. And they both come from Jesus' teaching right here in Matthew 6 and other teachings of Jesus. Okay, here's the first thing. Jesus is inviting you to resist idolatry to wealth. Your focus in this prayer, give us today the food we need, is the word need. Our prayer should be to not desire more than we need. Because here's the thing. When you have enough money to make a lot of your problems go away, you literally have a magic wand in your hand. Oh, the dryer broke. Abracadabra. A new one. Oh, I'm tired and I need a vacation. Abracadabra. San Marcos Islands. Here I come, you know. It's great, but it's really, really hard not to depend on that magic. Not to come to trust in your own ability to provide and not to set your affections on it. Jesus took this temptation of making an idol of the pursuit of wealth very seriously. In Matthew chapter 6, right here with the Lord's Prayer, he warns us that if we're not, in care, we're not careful, we can become enslaved to the pursuit of wealth. And if we do, it makes it impossible for us to serve God and be the kingdom people he calls us to be. He said, you cannot serve two masters. You will love the one and despise the other. And later on in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus says this. He says it's harder for a rich or wealthy person to enter the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And he meant that literally. And his disciples, he was talking to his disciples at the time, and they're like, Jesus, that's impossible. And he's like, duh, guys, that's the point. It is impossible for a rich person to live the kingdom life. But thankfully, with God, all things are possible. And I mean, like, whew, we all caught a big break there. Compared to first century, you know, people, uh, we're all really wealthy. But the word impossible is really strong. And Jesus said it and emphasized it. So if provision comes easily for you, I want to urge you to take these statements of Jesus seriously. Wrestle with Jesus about them. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you where you are if your heart has become entangled in idolatry. 
you're not a bad person and your wealth is not bad. But the challenge to you is to resist trusting in your magic wand instead of humbly trusting in Jesus. And it's easy to say like, oh yeah, I trust Jesus. He's my Jehovah Jireh, my provider. His grace is sufficient for me. But if Jesus made such strong, provocative statements about how hard it is for us to not get enmeshed in wealth, I challenge you this morning to go deeper in your trust of Jesus by asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to your own, your own heart to you and expose any idols. So if provision comes easily for you, the first thing is that Jesus is inviting you to deeper trust by resisting idolatry to wealth. But I'm not done yet, because Jesus isn't done yet. (laughs) Along with these really strong warning statements Jesus issued about being enslaved to wealth, Jesus gave us the solution And that solution is the second thing we need to talk about. So if provision comes easily for you, the solution Jesus gave us for resisting idolatry to wealth is to give it away. You might remember the story of the rich young ruler. It's from Matthew chapter 19, the same with the camel and the needle. And in that story, a wealthy young man comes to Jesus and he's like, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Sell his possessions, give all his money to the poor, and come follow Jesus. I feel uncomfortable every time I read that passage, and I hope you do too. It's unsettling on purpose. Jesus could see into that man's heart, and he poked him hard here because he was inviting the man to get honest with him about his idolatry to wealth. And Jesus may or may not be calling you to sell all your possessions and give your money to the poor, but a real good way to break up with idolatry to wealth is to give away enough money that you feel it. It's a way to test your heart, to check yourself. And the more I read the Gospels, the more I am convinced that it is a very literal way that Jesus calls wealthy people to follow him. In fact, in his teachings, Jesus regularly put the greater responsibility on the wealthy to care for those who are lacking basic needs. Not on the poor to work harder and pull themselves up by the bootstraps, but on the wealthy to care for those in need. And look, we can all pray that Jeff Bezos gets the Holy Ghost and solves world hunger. But until he does, the wealthy of our world and the wealthy of the city of Warsaw can make a real difference for the people in our community who are struggling hard against systems of oppression that keep them in poverty. We have so many organizations in Warsaw, actually kind of a ridiculous amount, to help people like um, Fellowship Mission, World Compassion Network, Combined Community Services, the Salvation Army, just to name a few. And there are tons of other organizations that help, you know, starving children around the world or microloans for people in third world countries. You can get involved in any way you want. You can do it in a more personal way, like getting into the foster system and fostering some kids like some of the families in our church already do. But 
you can, re, you can reject our culture's siren call to keep all your money because you worked so hard for it. And you can instead choose to follow Jesus by divesting of your wealth, becoming sacrificially generous. It's how the kingdom comes. And if this sounds too harsh or too radical, I think it's because the ways of Jesus are often totally opposite of our culture. This is Jesus' invitation to you to go deeper and trust in God. Excuse me. So I want to say, can you accept this invitation? Can you pray now in your heart? Jesus, give me the grace to accept your invitation. The Lord's Prayer is a very personal prayer, as you can see. And it's a communal prayer. When we challenge our own hearts to go deeper in trusting Jesus to provide our needs, we join ourselves to each other in dependence on God that fights fear and anxiety and despair. We say to the powers of darkness together, Jesus has given me a seat at the table of abundant peace and contentment, and I will take my place. When we challenge our own hearts to resist idolatry to wealth by making sure a few others in our community have their daily bread, we show and tell that great banquet table of, that we will all experience when Jesus returns and we recreate the hospitality of Jesus with our lives when we live that way. And when we take communion together, we act out the prayer, give us today the food we need by eating and drinking the body and blood of Jesus who is our sustainer. And we reject the lie that we can earn enough to provide for ourselves every time we drink the cup. And the truth is, most of us don't fit into neat little boxes on one end of the spectrum. Most of us need a little challenge on both sides. The challenge to trust Jesus to provide and the challenge to resist idolatry to wealth by being generous and sacrificially so. I do. I need that challenge. And that's why we pray this prayer by ourselves. And that's why we pray it together like we will in a few minutes. And it's why we pray prayers like it. Justin, would you come back up, please? So this is the part of our service where we always spend a little time just um, quieting our hearts and asking the Holy Spirit to show us where um, God is working in us today. Like, okay, I've been here for the worship service now. I sang. I listened to this message. What are you doing in my heart now, Holy Spirit? What do you want me to say from that? So um, here's what's going to happen for the next couple minutes. We'll spend a little time in quietness, searching our hearts, and just waiting on the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then um, after that, we um, are going to talk about a couple words that, um, that we collected by praying together before the service. So uh, what that means is that we're a group of people who believe that God still speaks today and speaks to us. And so every Sunday at 8.30, a group of us gathers and we pray and just say like, Holy Spirit, do you have any specific messages for people today? And we listen and we feel, if we feel like God told us something, we collect those and we, um, we just say like, um, what are you doing with those, Jesus? And then we put them on the screen and see if anybody, if anybody relates to them. 
So um, I'm actually going to go ahead and read those now if you want to switch to that. There's a couple different words. Um, there was a word about a battle weapon made of gold. And the message was, it's like you have somebody in your life that you're in conflict with and you want to fight them real bad. But the Lord is saying, um, your weapon is love. And that if you'll ask for it, Jesus will give you a supernatural love for that person. And then there's a few other um, words on there that might relate to you as well. Just a person who's been disengaged from Jesus. And Jesus is saying, step back in, step back in to me. So what we'll do now, if, you, if you're willing to stand with me, we just stand up so that we can kind of focus ourselves, get our bodies involved in the act of listening to the Holy Spirit. If you're comfortable with it, you can put out your hands in a posture of receiving. And and don't be surprised, we're just going to spend like about 10 seconds being quiet and listening and saying, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me through all of this? So Holy Spirit, would you come now with your presence? Would you cause us to experience you right now? Holy Spirit, come, we wait for you. Jeff, I feel like the Lord wanted to say to you this morning that Jesus is lighting a new fire in you, but he's inviting you to blow on it too, to put some energy into that. So Lord Jesus, we just ask that you'd be faithful to your word and light a new fire in Jeff and give him the courage to begin blowing on that as well. Um, Joe and Sandy, if you're watching, I I saw a picture of a giraffe for you. And I felt like the message was the Lord was saying, I've called you to be people who stick your neck out. Just own it and trust me. And Steve, if if you're watching Steve Larison, I saw a picture of cotton balls and Q-tips. And I felt like Jesus was saying that he's doing some special detail work on you right now. It's not because you're doing anything wrong, but because he loves you so much. So invite that work. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing here this morning. Just ask you to give us the grace to respond in whatever way you call us to. As we've been praying, if you felt anything stirring in your body, that's a sign of the Holy Spirit working. And I would ask that you would um, go to the back and receive prayer from our prayer team. And they'd love to pray with you about anything, any need you have or anything that related to from the screen this morning. So let's worship together now.